0: Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to, the, shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just confessed in song, even as we have looked, turned our attention now to Psalm 47, we see that you are a great God, and you are greatly to be praised. You alone are worthy. You alone are exalted. You are a good God. You are a conquering king. You are a sovereign king. We rejoice to be your people this evening. Those who are in Christ. And may you be honored this evening as we look to this psalm. May we be encouraged as we see our conquering king. May we rejoice along with the psalmists that you are great God. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 47 is a call of response. The psalmists here, the sons of Korah, are calling for a response from the people. It's called a kingship of Yahweh psalm. looks to his role as king, his reign over the universe. Psalm 47 also plays off of Psalm 46. In fact, one of the commentators called it the exclamation point of Psalm 46. You may remember last week in Psalm 46, you find yourself in trouble. The psalmists are in trouble. He starts out in verse 1 of Psalm 46. God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. That is where the psalmists are in Psalm 46. They are in trouble, and they comfort themselves with this thought. Though all these extreme and crazy things happen, our God is our refuge, our God is our strength, our God is present. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and tremble, though the mountains shake with its swelling, even then, God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46, the psalmist finds themselves in trouble, and yet, even in that trouble, they choose to trust. Because their circumstances don't dictate who God is. God is still God. He is still a refuge. He is still a strength. He is still with them. So Psalm 46, they find themselves in trouble, and they choose to trust. As we come to Psalm 47, they find themselves delivered from trouble. They find themselves at a place of victory and they choose to rejoice. As we come to Psalm 47, the, the trouble of Psalm 46 has ended. The enemies have been defeated. And so it's a call of response. The Lord has conquered. As you work your way through this Psalm, it can be almost Divide into two uh, halves. The first half, verse 1 through verse 5, is God as conqueror or a, a warrior. You see a call to worship and then a cause for worship. In the second half, and you could almost, verse 5 kind of fits into both halves. So the second half would then be verse 5 through verse 9. And you just see God as king or as ruler. God as conqueror, the first five. God as ruler, the last five. And again, in verses 5 to 9, you have once again a call to worship and a cause for worship. If you start in verse, chapter forty-seven, Psalm 47, verse 1, we see a call to worship. The psalmist is writing to, to the people, calling them to stand up, to rejoice, to worship. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Shout with a voice of triumph. Not, Not a voice of hope, but a voice of triumph. There's a difference between a hopeful shout and a triumphant shout. I've been to many ball games throughout my life, whether it was junior high soccer or professional baseball. And there's a difference between at the end of the game when when you're hoping that your team is going to win. When it's the bottom of the ninth, and and, and your team is up to bat, and the other team is in the field, and, and the pitcher's getting ready, and the stands are cheering, and it's loud, it's deafening. They're cheering on their team. You can do it. They're hoping that he will hit the ball. It's a loud cheer, it's an excited cheer but it's a hopeful cheer. There's a difference between that and a triumphant cheer. When he does swing the bat, when he connects with the ball, when he hits it over the wall, and then the already deafening stands erupt even louder in a joyful cheer. There's a difference there. What we hoped has happened. It has come. That's what we see here. Psalm 46 is hopeful. God is a refuge. God is a strength. He is present. I find myself in trouble. I know you're here. I know you'll deliver me. And as you come to Psalm 47, the psalmist encourages the people to erupt in a voice of triumph. He has delivered you. He has done it. The call to worship. Clap your hands. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. The cause for worship. Why? This is good. This is exciting. But why are we doing this? Why are we clapping our hands? Why are we shouting? For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. Lord Most High is awesome. Awesome is one of those words that we overuse. I know that I am personally very guilty of it. I use awesome all the time. The word awesome, if you look it up in the dictionary, is to be extremely impressive or daunting. Extremely impressive or daunting. It goes on. Inspiring great admiration, appreciation, or fear. There's a hint of fear in the word awesome. It's not just, wow, that's beautiful. It's that is beyond description. In fact, the word used here in verse 2, translated awesome, carries the idea of something that is to be feared. The Lord Most High is awesome, He is to be feared. He is great beyond comprehension. He is a great king over all the earth. Notice the global aspect here. It's not just over his people, but over the whole earth. As you work your way through Psalm 47, you see that it's focused on Israel. It's focused on God's people. And yet, it's expanded to the nations as well. All the earth here is invited to clap their hands and shout with the voice of triumph because God is king over all the earth. But as you get into verse 3 and 4, there's specific application for his people Israel. There's specific promises that he has made them. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. So we see in the book of Joshua, Canaan, he will choose it for us, he will give it to us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, God's unique, covenantal, electing love, the love that chose Israel, that called them out. His promises to Israel will be fulfilled. His purposes will triumph because God is so great, He will fulfill all His promises. And that's good news, not just for the nation of Israel, but for the world. Because the same God who made them promises has made us promises. The same promise that He made them in the Abrahamic covenant even says, through you the world will be blessed. This is good news for us. These aren't promises made to us, but the same God who's made these promises made promises to us, and he is faithful. Verse 5, God has gone up with a shout. He has gone up victorious. The picture is of a a king coming out of battle, going up to the palace, going through the streets, victorious, up to where he, he lives. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of trumpet. He is a conquering, triumphant king. So the call to worship, clap your hands, shout to God with the voice of triumph. The cause for worship, because our God is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He's a faithful God. He is a God who has conquered. Then, as you come again to verse 5 through verse 9, you see God as king he's a God who conquers, he's a God who rules this God has conquered, he's gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet he's he's gone up to his rightful place therefore verse 6, another call to worship, sing praises to God, sing praises sing praises to our king sing praises It's repeated four times in that one verse, sing praises. It's a call to worship, to lift up this great king. But why? Why should we sing praises? It's great to sing praises, but why are we singing praises? You'll notice very often as you work your way through the Psalms, very often, in fact, almost every single time, if not every single time, when we are called to worship, we're always given a reason to worship. It's not just a general call. There's a reason. There's a purpose. Why are we worshiping? Why are we singing? Well, here's the cause for worship verse 7 to 9. For God is the king of all the earth. Notice again the global aspect of this. Verse 2, he's a great king over all the earth. Here, verse 7, God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. That's an interesting line. Sing praises with understanding. It's not a mindless response. It's a reasoned response. And it's a reasonable response to a God who is worthy of worship. Sing praises to him. I think it's important to to pause here. And to consider our worship of God. If you were to look at Psalm 47, if you were to read this, how would you describe their response to God? How would you describe their worship as you look at it here? Clap your hands. Shout to God. Sing praises. Sing praises. Sing praises. Sing praises. Sing praises. It's joyful. It's loud. It's expressive. It's emotional. And yet, yet, it's not chaotic. Yet, it's not chaotic. Sing praises with understanding. Don't just mumble phrases. Don't just make noise to make noise. Sing praises with understanding. Your worship can be emotional. Your worship can be expressive and passionate without being chaotic. In fact, it must be emotional, and expressive, and passionate, and it must not be chaotic. Bob Coughlin, in a book that he wrote, notes this, what we want to avoid in worship is emotionalism, not emotions. Emotions are a good thing. God has given it to us. If our worship of God is emotionless, there's a problem with us. We're singing to a God who has saved us. We're singing to a God who who loves us beyond what we can comprehend. A God who loves us so much that he has sent his only son. You cannot worship a God like that in an emotionless state. I just found that an interesting note, sing praises with understanding. Their praise is purposeful, their praise is reasoned, it's not chaotic, and yet it is emotional, it is loud, it is expressive. They're clapping their hands, they're shouting to God, they're singing with all their voices. May no one ever visit our church and say that our singing is boring. See, it's not the the songs that you sing that make your worship exciting. It's your response, it's your singing. A great God deserves great praise. Sing with understanding. Again, why? Because God reigns over the nations. Again, he's really trying to get through here the universal reign of God. Our God is not just a king over us. He doesn't just have have control in this little tiny area. He has control over the world. He's a God who reigns over all the earth, a God who reigns over the nations. He's a God who sits on his holy throne, who rules the world. The princes of the people have gathered together the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. The word shields there is the idea of kings. It's the idea of a king. It was a king's job to, to defend his nation. Therefore, a shield. The kings of the earth belong to God because he is a God over the earth. They are under his Control and command. And he is greatly exalted. Call to worship. Sing, 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 sing. The cause for worship. Because our God is a God over all the earth, over all the nations. And he rules well. In fact, if you look at verses 8 to 9... There's almost a a future aspect to this. This psalm looks beyond this specific victory in which this is written. It looks beyond the specific trouble of Psalm 46 that they've been delivered from, and it looks to a greater deliverance, to a greater king, to a greater kingdom. To a, a kingdom where the princes of the people have gathered together the people of the God of Abraham, where all God's promises have been fulfilled to them. Where all of the world bows and worship to him, and he is greatly exalted. This is a psalm with a a a global view. Not just it's a global view with a immediate fulfillment, if that's the right word there. They're praising God for a victory that he has given and yet they're looking forward to an even greater victory that he has promised. So as you come to the end of Psalm 47, this is the truth of Psalm 47, that God reigns. That's it. God is in control. God reigns over all the earth. He knows what is going on in all four corners of the world. He's in control over a global pandemic and he's in complete control of a crazy election. He rules. He reigns. The desired response of Psalm 47 is that God's people would rejoice. That they would look at that fact that God reigns and they would respond rejoicing that they would clap that they would shout that they would sing because a great God deserves great praise